Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. We're talking with Ed Henry, definitely another angle and a different approach to probably what could be one of the most influential athletes, certainly one of the most influential baseball players uh, in our time. Uh, we introduced to the show Ed Henry. You've probably seen him on Fox, CNN, um, and he's done an amazing job with this book. How are you, Ed? How are you? How are you doing? Great, Brandon. It's wonderful to be on with you and uh, be associated with what is a wonderful uh, podcast, but also just an amazing brand. So my question is, who did you write this book for? I mean, not a lot of Brooklyn Dodger fans still alive out there, although maybe there are. Uh, and, yeah. you know, why did you write this book? You know, I wrote it because I think it's the ultimate Father's Day present because uh, my father passed this love of baseball on to me. I've now passed it on to my son, Patrick, who's turning 16 on Jackie Robinson Day, a wonderful coincidence, because I think the lessons of both Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey uh, are just timeless in terms of showing us through hard work, courage, grace under pressure, uh, and a strong faith in God, frankly, um, you can overcome any challenge. And that's why I think graduation season, Father's Day, fathers and sons, anybody in your life who you want to pass on these timeless lessons to, uh, this is the perfect book for you. And it's also a great book for baseball fans because I talked to Carl Erskine, who is one of the last surviving Brooklyn Dodgers, and the stories he tells uh, from inside the Dodgers dugout, uh, a story that he tells about the shot heard around the world, that great uh, Giants-Dodgers classic of 1951. He told me one story that he says he's never told anyone before. Uh, and I think it's just... Uh, if you're a baseball fan, you're, you're going to love these stories. And if you're serious about your faith, this is the book for you. So if you're a baseball fan, you have a strong belief in faith and, and you love going back and, and really kind of not only looking at the stories from a baseball perspective, but from a life perspective, I got to tell yeah. you, this is probably the, the book for you. So tell me, what, what, what is somebody going to get out of this book if they read it? What are, what are some of the what are, what are some of the hidden little gems in there that you can kind of get us going on a little bit? Well, first of all, the reason I wrote this book at the start is I heard a little twist on history, uh, and as a reporter, I felt like I had just just had to chase it down, which is that Branch Rickey secretly had some second thoughts in 1945 about whether or not he could really sign Jackie to the first minor league contract when he went to the Montreal Royals. He didn't tell anyone about it. He left the offices of the Brooklyn Dodgers at 215 Montague Street and went to a church in Brooklyn Heights, a very famous church, Plymouth Church, which was a stop on the Underground Railroad back in the 1800s. But on this day in 1945, the details that I learned and put in the book are fascinating because they show that Branch Rickey was worried that if Jackie failed, it was going to ruin Branch Rickey's own wonderful reputation in the game. This is somebody who, when he's with the Cardinals, didn't just win a few World Series, but he also created the modern-day farm system. Uh, and he was scared. He was nervous. And he does, you know, he did what a lot of us do when we're about to make a big decision. In this case, probably a bigger decision than many of us have to face, uh, which is integrating the game of baseball. And so he went to a minister uh, at this Plymouth church. Uh, and after 45 minutes of pacing and thinking and praying, uh, Branch Rickey finally at the end of the meeting, according to my reporting, said, I've decided to sign Jackie Robinson to the first baseball contract. It's the hardest decision of my life. I needed to be in your presence, he said to the minister. I needed to be in God's presence in order to know it's the right thing to do. That sent me on a personal journey to kind of get the details of this story, but more importantly, 
figure out how big of a role did faith play in not only the decision by Brian Shirky, but maybe more importantly, how faith played a major role in Jackie Robinson overcoming all of this adversity, people shouting the N-word and all kinds of awful things at him, and people quite literally threatening his life just because he wanted to play baseball. How accurate do you think? You know, we've all seen that the, the, the movie 42. Was it accurate? I mean, did that really give you a summation, or is there really more that meets the eye that maybe couldn't be covered in a movie like that? I think it gives you a nice summation, and it's a beautiful movie, and it's inspiring, but it's Hollywood. It doesn't get deeply into faith, which is why I do in this book, 42 Faith, but I think also there's so much, so many more layers to the story. I'll give you a quick example. Not a lot of people know that in the early 1900s, Branch Rickey wanted to be a big league ball player himself. He went to his mother on a farm in Ohio, right on the Kentucky border, middle of nowhere, very religious family, Methodist. And he said, Mom, I want to go to the big leagues. And she said, absolutely not. All baseball players do is drink alcohol, swear, and party. You're not doing that. You're talking about baseball players now, or you're talking about back then? Because it sounds like baseball players now. Smart, smart mom there. Yes, then and now. I think she was ahead of her time. And she snuffed it out. She said, no way. Now, Branch Rickey, though, on the other hand, He's not somebody who took no lightly. I mean, this is someone who took on the entire baseball establishment um, and said, we're going to integrate the game despite all this opposition. So he sleeps on it. He goes back to his mom and says, Mom, what if I allow, if I agree that I will never play on Sunday? Will you allow me to chase my dream? And she thought about it and said, you know what? I will. And so he actually did become a big league ball player, Branch Rickey. He wasn't very good. He was a catcher with a weak arm. In fact, the Washington Senators stole something like 14 consecutive bases on him uh, in one game. Uh, so he didn't last long, in part because he wasn't very good, but also because, you know, the, you had baseball owners saying, why are we paying you a full-time salary when you won't play seven days a week? Uh, but he wanted to keep that commitment to his mom. And when I interviewed Branch Rickey's grandson, who's still alive, Branch Rickey III, he runs the Pacific Coast League based in Texas. He told me that in the 1940s, Branch Rickey's parents had long since died. The commitment of not going to the ballpark on Sunday had long since passed. And yet here he was, this famous executive of the Dodgers, and he would not go to Ebbets Field on Sundays. He would stay home with his wife, his family. He'd listen to the game like a lot of other fans, uh, listen to Red Barber on the radio. But he, I think it just shows how serious Branch Rickey was about his own faith. And I think if you look at these two characters propelled together in history, Branch Rickey, Jackie Robinson, far different, different races, different generations, came from different parts of the country. But what bound them together was a love for this game of baseball and also a strong faith in God that these two men shared. Wow. Was there one interview in that book that kind of shocked you a little bit, that was a little bit odd or different? You probably got through a whole bunch of people. Which one I sticks did. out? You know, what stands out is Rachel Robinson, because she's still alive, and she's about 95 years old, as you know, basically, to me, the first lady of baseball. She doesn't endorse the book because she there's so much written about her husband, she doesn't want to get into endorsing or not. Uh, but, but I did talk to her a few years ago, and she told me, uh, when I asked her about this secret meeting that Branch Rickey had with the minister, I said, well, what about your, you know, Jackie's faith? Did he need it in, in 45 and 47 when those two contracts were signed and all hell was breaking loose? And she kind of looked at me like I was crazy, and I thought, oh, gosh, I said the wrong thing. And she, she gently corrected me and said, we didn't just lean on our faith in 1945 and 1947. What are you talking about? She said, we had faith our entire lives, and that was sort of the backstop for us. And when I, since I talked to her a few years ago, it was very early in the project, 
it really informed the rest of my reporting, the rest of the interviews, because here I had this woman who was right in the middle of the storm with Jackie, right by his side, just every bit of hero as, as he was, telling me, you don't just rely on your faith in 45 and 47 when all hell is breaking loose. She made the very important point that she and Jackie had a strong faith in God from the beginning of their lives right through all of these trials and tribulations. And that's why I went back to Pasadena and found some great detail about Jackie uh, growing up. And I went back and, and looked at Branch Rickey's childhood, as I mentioned, in Ohio. Do you think that, you know, talking with Rachel, do you think that she knew and certainly, uh, which did she feel that her and Jackie knew the kind of danger? Or there was, yeah, was they that, did. Was that weighing on their minds? It did weigh on their minds, and she talks openly about how there were death threats and that her life was in danger. And you know what? The reason why I think she she wasn't just briefed by the Dodgers, she sat in the stands for a lot of his early games and overheard people saying awful things. You know, shouting the N word, but also talking about doing away with Jackie. I mean, she was. It was very raw for her. Um, but you know what? I was inspired by is when you look. We can't rush away. We can't sanitize the truth when it comes to history and the fact that there were white teammates on the Dodgers who circulated that petition. It's in the movie 42, which you referred to before. And there were some white players, particularly from the South, Deep South, who, who said, if you promote Jackie to the big leagues, we're going to walk. But what I try to focus on in the book, too, is the positive. And there were white teammates like Carl Erskine and Ralph Branca as well, who just passed away a few months ago. Branca early and often with there was no major reason for him to do it. There was nothing for Ralph Branca to gain other than it was the right thing to do. He stood up for Jackie. And when you talk about Jackie's life being in danger, opening day, April 15th, 1947, we're celebrating the 70th anniversary of that first game now. Branca and the other Dodgers are briefed on the fact that there's at least one sniper claiming that he's going to shoot Jackie from outside Ebbets Field if he goes out on that field. Branca, undeterred, before the game, when they're doing the announcements, because it was opening day, they bring the whole teammate, all the whole team out on the field. Branca makes a show of standing right next to Jackie. And after the game, one of Branca's brothers, you know he came from a big family, one of his brothers says, Ralphie, what the heck were you thinking standing so close to Jackie? They wanted to shoot him. And Branca basically looked at him and said, there are worse ways to go than to be standing up for your teammate, get shot standing next to your teammate. And I think that typified the attitude of a Pee Wee Reese, and a Duke Snyder, and so many of the other white players who just felt like it was the right thing to do to stand up for Jackie. And so, look, Jackie's the hero here, but he wouldn't have done it without Rachel. He wouldn't have done it without Brant Rickey. And he wouldn't have done it without teammates like Pee Wee Reese and Ralph Franco. It's really hard for people to understand because we're now starting to get, you know, somewhat a lot of time removed of what yeah. was really going on and what it was like to be in a locker room that you wouldn't shower in the same shower as yeah. whites and blacks and how you took a lot of heat. You took a lot of shit from your teammates that, yeah. you know, if you were hanging out with a black player or a black person playing out with a black player, hanging out with a white player. Uh, 42 Faith is the book. We're talking with Ed Henry. Go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. This is a must read. If you're a baseball fan and you like reading not only about baseball, but about faith, it certainly has a spiritual component on it. That's a little bit above and beyond what you normally get in a typical baseball book, to say the least. And there's some really good insight. Closing thoughts, Ed, about this book and anything else you want yeah, to Yeah, you know, when you, when you talk about how people forget, Carl Erskine tells a great story about how Jackie's second or third year, uh, there are people waiting outside Ebbets Field, outside the clubhouse after a game. 
There's players' wives. Uh, there are fans looking to get baseball signed. Erskine comes out uh, and sees a whole group of uh, family members from the white teammates all standing together. And he notices in the corner that Rachel Robinson is standing with Jackie Jr. Uh, all by themselves. And none of the other players' wives or anybody are talking to them. He walks over there instinctively because, again, I think Erskine, like Branca, had a very strong Christian faith that believed that it was just simply the right thing to do. He went over, made a show of shaking hands, hugging, whatever he did uh, to make Rachel Robinson feel welcome. And he just went out of his way to do it. Small gesture, maybe. But back then, it was a big deal. The next day in the clubhouse, Jackie comes up to Erskine and says, I heard what you did. You saw that my wife was all by herself in the corner, and you went over. It was a great gesture, and I just want to thank you. And Erskine says he told him, don't thank me for that. Thank me for helping you on the field. Thank you. Thank me for giving you a tip uh, you know, with the bat. But don't thank me for doing the right thing. And that's what I really feel ultimately I want people to take away from this book, is that those boys of summer came together, white, black, whether, you know, Catholic, Methodist, whatever they were. They came together. They fought it out. They lost a lot of these games, but they came back and kept trying. We've got this culture now of people, everybody gets a trophy. No. Jackie Robinson didn't just have trophies handed to him. He earned every accolade he got. And he overcame all kinds of adversity. So people now think, oh, I've come from a broken home. I come from this. I come from that. He was raised by a single mom, Jackie. He was he joined a gang in Pasadena. But it was the faith of his mother and a Christian minister named the Reverend Carl Downs out in Pasadena who said, Jackie, you're going to go. You're going the wrong way. You're going to waste all this athletic talent. And Jackie listened. And all the way to UCLA, where he's a four-letter man, and then all the way to the Brooklyn Dodgers. And, you know, I'll end on Rachel Robinson saying, that one thing she remembers from 1947, here we are 70 years later, that every night he'd come home from Evans Field, go to this tiny apartment they had at 34th Street and 6th Avenue. I've been there. It's still there, right by Herald Square. And before he went to bed, Rachel Robinson says Jackie would get down on his hands and knees and pray to God. And that just stuck with me as an image as I wrote this book, that how faith mattered to Jackie, but also here's a man who broke the color line, civil rights hero, playing for the world-famous Brooklyn Dodgers, and he was still humble enough at night to say, you know what? There's a higher being here. I've got to pray to God, and he did it. Let me ask you a question. That's I mean, that's just that's intense. Is there something missing today? You know, it's leading to the low number of black players. Just I'm I'm going off course a little bit off of yeah. Uh, you know the 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 book and which you know Jackie just gets me thinking about a lot of things when I get into this kind of conversation. But what's missing today in the major leagues? Did you get anything from your interviews of why less and less black players are playing? You know, it's a question that I did wrestle with when I was writing the book, and in the end I didn't really include it in the book because I thought it might be a distraction from the faith message, just as I thought. Some people ask me, how much are you going to write about Jackie's political views? And, you know, he bounced back and forth. People kind of wrongly assume he was a quote-unquote Republican. Yes, he did support some Republicans. He endorsed Nixon in 60, but then he broke away from the Republicans in 64 because he was mad at Goldwater, and he's endorsed Lyndon Johnson. Then he got mad. He didn't think Lyndon Johnson was doing a good job. So he bounced back and forth like a lot of us do. So I thought... If I write too much about politics, I write too much about black players, it might take it off course. But your your question is an important one that I did think about. And, and here's what I come away thinking is that I think in some ways um, Jackie was a victim of his own success. You know, he opened the door by integrating baseball to African-Americans, not just playing baseball, but playing all kinds of other sports. And like all of a sudden, Jim Brown had the opportunity to go to the NFL. 
All of a sudden, Bill Russell can go to the Boston Celtics and win all those titles. And so, you know, maybe some of these players, uh, some young African-Americans prefer the NFL. They prefer the NBA. And maybe they're just not getting connected to baseball the way you certainly see. I know you have a close relationship with Mariano Rivera, serious about his faith. So many Latino players. I mean, it's really become a Latin game more than an African-American game. Um, And I think, you know, in some ways, like I say, victim of success in the sense that Bill Russell was one of the pallbearers at Jackie's funeral in 1972, and Rachel Robinson called him because and asked him to do that. And Russell recalls in the book that, you know, it's because Jackie opened doors. I think the point Rachel was trying to make is Jackie didn't just open doors to baseball for African-Americans. She, he opened it for the NBA and elsewhere, and that's why Bill Russell was a pallbearer. And finally, you know, me covering politics day to day, in the book I share an anecdote where I told Barack Obama while he was president, hey, I'm, I'm going to go interview Rachel Robinson. Do you know her? And he said, I haven't really had a chance to spend a lot of time with her. I really respect her. In fact, I want you to tell her something for me. And I, I'd never had a president of the United States, Democrat or Republican, say, can you bring a message to someone? That's think, pretty cool that you're even talking to the president and you're like, well, right. hey, uh, you know, when you get a second, go over to Rachel Robinson. Yeah, I, can you go do this? Yeah, it's for the president. I'm accepting that name dropping. I'm, 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 loving, it. Yeah, I'm loving that. I'm loving <laughs> so, that hype. So, so Barry says to me, no, I'm kidding. President Obama says to me, I'm not going to name drop like that. So President Obama, this is literally what he said. I remember the exact quote. I remember where I was standing in the White House residence, and he looked at me and he said, Ed, I want you to tell her that I see a straight line from what Jackie did in 1947 to me being here today at the White House. He said that in 2011. I remember the moment like it was yesterday. And it still brings chills to me because it opened my eyes as, as a correspondent covering the administration and trying to write this book on the weekend and early mornings before work. Um, I said, wait a second. You know, Jackie didn't just open the doors for Jim Brown and Bill Russell. He opened the doors for Barack Obama. And you don't have to take it from me. But in the book, the president himself says it. And that's pretty That is an awesome legacy. That is awesome. Ed, thanks so much. Good job on this book. You dug into something that I think throughout this book as I'm I'm kind of in the middle of it at this point, and there's a lot of nuggets in it. there that are unknown Thanks. that really haven't been talked about and that shouldn't be forgotten. So great job on that. Thanks for joining us. Go to Thanks, Amazon. Man. Go to Barnes & Noble. Pick up this book. It's a must-read if you're a baseball fan, especially if you're a baseball fan and, and have a strong faith and you believe in divine intervention and things like that. This is the perfect book.